Sex Radio. Groove Cafe. Groove Cafe on RX Radio and I am Crystal always looking forward to learning and having beautiful conversations. My guest today is self-described as Keeper of the Flame. He is a Ugandan-based rapper who spreads inspirational, meaningful messages through his music. His musical journey started out around 2009 when he was still in the UK. At the time, he met a couple of hip-hop heads who nurtured him into the craft of writing rhymes and helped him understand the history and background of hip-hop and music as a whole. He came back to Uganda back home in 2015 and since then he's been telling the Ugandan story as truthfully as he can through the lens of art and expression and we were just having a conversation about how important it is for people to be truly who they are right. whatever setting they're in i have wonder jr joining <laughs> me on the group cafe hi wonder hi hi how are you i'm good how are you I was, doing I was, I, was, i was waiting for the drum kiss those, those were interesting well welcome welcome how's Thank it going you. not bad not mm-hmm. bad uh One step at a time, but we're on the right path. It might be a bit of a long journey, but we're on the right path. Okay. So. All right. So even before we got started, yeah. we were talking about truth and honesty right. and how we are kind of losing our path. I right. know that you are very passionate about mental health and right. you've been having some serious conversations in different spaces. Right. Um, so what do you mean by, you know, you're trying to live your truth? What do you mean by that? Truth is me trying to figure out the essence of my existence. Where am I here? Mm-hmm. Where am I in the cosmos? What is my contribution to the to the planet right now from a very authentic standpoint? Is like I was not designed. I've known this for a while, for at least the past at least eleven, twelve years since I left high school was that I was not designed to look or sound or talk like the next man. Okay. Mm-hmm. I knew that my journey was designed for me and me alone, mm-hmm. which would also that's from my infancy, from from pretty much like like A levels around there thereabouts I knew I was supposed to be different we're all we're all different yes we are we're all different mm-hmm. and all this time all these years I've been trying to figure out what has been the hindrances what has stopped me from being me mm-hmm. from uh, well so, sometimes it depends on your background I mean true, if we look exactly. at African upbringing in general right, right I think we're only now getting to a point where there's so much pride when it comes right. to the arts and music right when we go back eh? mm. Parents are like, no, 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 no. You don't want to be like so and so, so and so. They always pick the worst true, examples. True, true, mm-hmm. true, absolutely. Like for me, for example, yes, I, I got these two chains that mean mm-hmm. African roots to me. Okay, African roots. They're gorgeous. Yeah, thank you. They mean a lot to me from a very personal. Like it's a constant reminder for what what I stand for and what I represent. Mm-hmm. But to my mom, it looks like garbage. <laughs> Total trash. So she's like, why are you wearing she's necklaces? Like, What is this nonsense, my son, that you're wearing? You know, my uh-huh. aunties are, are on her neck. She's like, my, it's like, yeah, people saying this. I'm like, mommy, listen, you have to relax me with that just by the way, because of me, I am not a child that you're going to put in the. Uh, you know what I mean? But and the also, the day, they forget sometimes. The, you're a grown man. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. At the end of the day, she respects the fact that all my life, uh, when I went to the UK, like I remember this whole journey started off when I left UG. Mm-hmm. It's one of the best things that happened to me, because traveling to the UK really changed me. It messed me up because okay. it was a very lonely journey for me. It was very painful, having to juggle school with work and night shifts and day mm-hmm. shifts. It was mm-hmm. very, very dark, very, very dark for me. And so, 
that's the first time when I actually knew that I was actually alone. Okay, so you grew up here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Primary school was here. Primary school, secondary. Yeah. Where was that? Where did you grow up? I went to a couple of schools actually, like Gander Road for like a year or two, then Budo for like two a year, then Saint Noah for like a year, then City Parents. Hey. I was juggling schools <laughs> back and forth. <laughs> oh my in, goodness! In, 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 in primary, then, that's a lot of movement yeah, in primary. Right. 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 Uh huh. And then second year I was in Chiwuli for like all levels, mm-hmm. and then A levels I was in. Um, Makere College then I got expelled then I went to Mengo uh, for my S6 mm-hmm. uh, which I didn't do anything in there I was just there I was just on vibes <laughs> vibes just <laughs> oh my gosh I hope your parents don't listen to this <laughs> okay, it's okay right now right now right now there's nothing they can do about it just know anyway it is a past I was just playing games okay my level. So would you say I that left... like you were bored in school what what was it yeah I was bored that's the honest truth I don't because like, I find there are a lot of people who just did not connect in school yo, honestly, purely because they were bored trust mm-hmm. and I think I didn't know what it was at the time I'm still trying to figure it out especially when you speak on it now it starts to make sense I think I was bored mm-hmm. it's just like me it's like, it's like you putting me in a 9 to 5 oh. you have killed me <laughs> I can't sit still here like this. Mm-hmm. My mind is wandering. I want to just keep moving. Mm-hmm. And that's where I am. So do you think that also got you in trouble a lot I while you were so. in school? I think so. Would uh, you speak so, up as no, well? No, no. Ironically, mm-hmm. I was never that guy. Oh. I was the backbencher. I was the guy in the backbencher. There was this backbencher guys that caused chaos at the back. <laughs> but but he told me to get in front of a blackboard and talk. You've finished me like this. Like It's like my world just comes crumbling down. Oh, wow. We've uh, come a long way come then. Come a long way, yeah. So, so it, was, it was a bit of a... It was a bit of a... Uh, a tough... Like, I was never the guy that you'd see at the forefront. Mm-hmm. But I was always at the back causing mm. chaos. Okay. I like to crack jokes and... and, mm. and, and, and <laughs> I call it chatting rubbish. But I'm always the guy at the back uh, in, in high school. And then the UK is what changed me. Um, so you left after your A-levels? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I left and then... Whose decision was this? Mom? My mom's. Mm-hmm. But also like going to school and whatnot. But also she was she was done with me. So this was like to go to college? Yeah, school. Yeah, college. Mm-hmm. And so she was done with me. She's like, man, this guy... Okay, first tell me, in your family, are you the oldest, youngest? I'm in the middle. So I got an extended family. But, mm-hmm. but the ones I grew up with, uh, with my mom's is... My pops died when I was a young kid. Okay. At the time. Mm-hmm. But I grew up with... We're three with my mom's. That's, okay. that's my older sister, then me, then my kid, bro. Mm-hmm. So I'm right in the middle. Okay. Do you so, think there's anything to the middle child syndrome? Possibly. Um, uh, yeah, there might be. There might be. There might be. Yeah, there might be. But then my kid, bro, is also now worse. Hey. He was now worse <laughs> than me. Like that guy for him, he was in the school. Like, i just give you a quick story. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, in, uh, in, uh, you know, you know what? Like your home crib, like when you have a crib, and then mm-hmm. you have a stage where there's border borders and whatnot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Those guys would call my kid bro Masomero. So now when my mom when my mom was going to supermarket, they're like, hey, mama Masomero, mama Masomero. Then she asked them, never chimu pita mama Masomero. It's like, yeah, anti mutaba ni wa, but the time I join the uniform, pia, like it's in a new school every time. <laughs> so oh wow, the she's the mom of schools. <laughs> Okay, I'm sure so, he has plenty of stories. Yeah, so too. for him, for him is a bit of like every like like. So yeah, you feel like a, every, yeah. at least for you me, didn't was, stress your mom as much. Eh? I was a saint. I, I, I was not anyone close to my kid, bro. So mm-hmm. if it's about the middle child syndrome, I don't know. What it's about the last last born. Last borns are now a totally different guy. So yeah. So the decision is to send you to the UK. Right. She was done with you. She, actually, it was fortunate enough that I actually got that chance to do that. Did so you like, have family? Yeah, there? there's an uncle who actually made it happen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mom was not capable of making that happen, but I had an uncle who just managed to make it. Mm-hmm. But I also have a feeling that there was, 
it was ordained. There was mm. a way. The thing was, God made it happen. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way because I had to. My whole outlook had to change. Like I had to get, <laughs> I had to get punished by life. So you slapped by the yeah, real world. The real world slapped <laughs> me heavy, heavy. Straight away, or it took some time. It took some time. It took me like a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. Then I remember when I started doing like shifts at work and whatnot. I remember my first night shift. Guys saw me working in the like bus. If you're going to start working like this, this country is not for you. <laughs> Why? Because uh, I was like, you know, this whole thing. I did not know how to work. Like I was oh, not channeled to like. Because I did the on. night shift in the UK. Did you? I worked at Gatwick Airport. Ah. I did uh, the 10 p.m. to 8 a.m. shift. But, but, but you see, the airport. For me, I was doing cleaning, my G. Well, I was also cleaning in McDonald's first. I was at some cleaning. Bakery. I, was at, I was at some Jewish bakery. Okay. And that big mama, that thing was that thing messed me up. I, Why? I, came, I came from a, like I came from a shift from like about five till about nine, mm-hmm. and I went to that bakery after. Okay. I remember that night. The next day, I slept for eighteen hours. <laughs> eighteen one eight. <laughs> what did they do to you? <laughs> that thing tortured me badly. Uh huh. But you like so, carrying a lot of like heavy stuff. I don't even know. Just know I was not ready yet. Mm, okay. So that's when. So I remember coming from night shifts and I'd wait for the next bus at about five and I'm at the bus stop crying. I'm like, yo, mm. this country has shown me what time it is. Mm-hmm. So, so. And then when you add the weather. The weather. Then you're in a cold like this. People talk about, I was like, yeah, I'm like, boss, if you're going to that country, get a professional corporate job. Now, if you're going to Kuyiriba, mm-hmm. just it's a go different with world. It. Trust me, it's a different world. So it's like, I was not prepared for that world, but at the same time, in hindsight, it's what shaped me. Mm. And I was also detained for like four months. Mm-hmm. That's now the one that really, really shaped the man that I am today. Okay. I was in there. I thought it was going to take like two weeks. Uh, but then one thing led to another, led to another. And then boom, before you know it, it's four months. Okay. In that space. And was was the toughest moment of my life, but yet the best moment of my life as well. Okay. Because mm. it shaped the man that I am today. In what way? It taught me about life. I understood the concept of figuring out yourself. I figured out the concept of of being mis like in this life. Most of us, okay. What the prison represents to me is not only psychologically, like most mm-hmm. of okay, not only physically but also psychologically. Mm-hmm. Most of us here in prisons mm. psychologically, which is even way worse than being in a physical prison. You think? I think so, honestly, because uh, I'll give you a quick example. Like I kept talking about, like. Uh, perception mm-hmm. we're very focused on how they perceive us and whatnot how we're very focused on pleasing and appeasing and mm-hmm. and how being timid and being like very systematic is that what it does to you like for example if my relationship with you i keep saying someone said if my relationship with you is based or dependent on misatisfying your expectations of me mm-hmm. that is not a relationship it's a prison a safe prison. <laughs> a safe prison. Yeah, you get me. Okay, eh? okay. So mm-hmm. that's one prison. There's mental prisons. There's people who are caught up in all kinds of things. So, like at the end of the day, when you're trying to figure out who you truly are, you have to step away from self. Okay. You have to do a bit of self-reflection. You have to do a bit of, like, it was a long time. I had to face my demons. Mm-hmm. There was a space where there was, you know, being in a space where you're not. How did you end up there, though? It was uh, being in the wrong crew at the wrong time. Okay, so you're hanging with the wrong yeah. people. And All so, right. and also in school, and my my paperwork was about to run out, and it was just a bunch of things that were wrong at the time. Mm-hmm. And so, I thought I was going to be in there for two weeks, ended up being there for four months. <laughs> wow! And so, ultimately, which brought me back to UG. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> what that did was for me was being in that space where you're alone. The first two months, I remember I used to be, I was in the jail. Like, what happened in this 
detention center is that they keep moving you from one spot to another. So the first one month, I was in this cell where they would lock you in at eight, like one small cell with another person. Mm-hmm. Like those things that you see in the movies, <laughs> pretty much the same exact concept. So you locked in. So you lock in, and you know how tall I am. So I had to coil myself in that kagai like this, like that kabed, <laughs> like a flipping. I don't even know how to describe that, but like the concept of you, ah, time up, time up, like. And then at eight, everyone has to go into this cell. And you stay in until? And then they lock you in until like six in the morning. Then okay. you hear guys banging and they're opening for everyone. For okay. the first one month. Obviously, by the fourth month, we're in a very communal setting. Mm-hmm. But like the first one month was very painful to me. I, when I actually talk about these things, I rarely talk about these things, but it's like a recollection. So I can now go back and read mm-hmm. that moment. Yeah. And so, that was a bit dark for me at the time. But then having in that space, you have the time to face yourself. That's the thing. That's when you look yourself You don't have the, the distraction. You no know, no one cares about you. No one there's no one there. It's just you. Mm-hmm. And now you're like, okay, what next? What's what's going on with me? Cuz I think that's one of the things that really plagues a lot of people, the lack of direction. Right. It's like you're just there. Right. But what are you doing exactly. with your life? Exactly. You don't mm-hmm. have the time that moment that actually that pause it was just that long pause. It's like boom. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh, now what? You're not having to wake up and run and distract yourself and look for friends and look for nothing. It's you. Wake up. What's up? Mm-hmm. So those four months were just basically that. It's like, uh-huh. So that's when I actually started to figure myself out spiritually. I started to figure out myself out as it relates to what I stand for and where I'm probably heading. Mm-hmm. Which long story brings me back here. And then now I'm struggling with infusing or transmitting what I believe mm-hmm. from a creative standpoint should apply to home. Okay. Which was very very dark as well okay. because hey man here we don't we don't we don't care about your whole kazungu all that rubbish we don't care about that here <laughs> you have we, to go there we don't give guys don't care <laughs> what about your your einstein take the einstein just to what, what? i keep telling guys if naz was in uji Mm-hmm. Naz would be working at Shell. Yes, he would. Unfortunately. Naz would be working at Shell properly. I feel like there's a certain level of conversation and then after that you see people's eyes glaze over. I'm telling you, I was on TV the other They're day. They're like, huh? I'm telling you. <laughs> uh-huh. I was on TV the other day and I said, I said it's small in English. The guy's like, <laughs> and I'm like, that's precisely why we're stuck in this, like, in this mess. Yes. People prefer the likes over the truth. The mediocrity. Mediocrity. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a challenge and I'm also partially to blame. I don't want to look at it like I'm away from it, but I've also contributed towards that. Mm-hmm. And that's the first step towards us figuring out how we can actually work against it. So coming back, it was a bit of a challenge to convey how I believed mm-hmm. in a way that like depth, like finding fellow deep divers, people who actually want to mm-hmm. ask more questions and the art of critical thinking and challenge the norm and mm-hmm. the consensus and whatnot, understand the forces that guide what we do, why we do what we do, you know? But I, I, I've, I quickly learned that the guys don't care. <laughs> Someone said to me recently that one of the best things about us as Ugandans, but also our worst enemy, is that we like cheap entertainment. That's it. Right? That's so it. it's easy for someone to come in and have easy right. fun. Right. But something meaningful. Right. Because they were saying, okay, so what do we get from watching people maybe just dancing all the time? I mean, right. like, what are you getting out of that? Right. I'm like, well. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, on one hand, I had to now dumb down. Mm-hmm. I had to learn to become vulnerable, to admit that I have to learn what's happening. Yes. I have to be a student again. You have to evolve. Yes. You have to adapt. Yes. Mm-hmm. So then I became very deliberate 
in understanding what happens, how people think. I remember I used to go out almost there's a time I went out every night for like a year just to understand what makes people dance. <laughs> Whoa, that's a lot of a lot every of commitment. Day. <laughs> every day. Look, I'm saying like pretty much almost every day. Mm-hmm. That was like 2016. Every day. And I just go out to see what makes people dance. What makes from a artistic What do they connect with? What do they connect with? Mm-hmm. I'm a somewhat of a, an astute observer. So it's like I was in that space and I'm trying to figure out why do we function the way we do? So all these years I've been trying to figure out how and why and it's an ongoing. But however, my understanding keeps growing every day. So mm-hmm. now I, I am more friendly as it relates to how to communicate with the people. Okay. How to um, mix languages and like relatability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, we, we do this thing in a ghetto. Now I say this thing in a ghetto called Slam Dog Jams where we go to the ghettos and communicate with these people and help shed light on what they're struggling with and how they're transforming their lives with what they have mm-hmm. with the intent of getting people to come and fund and help you know save one person at a time you cannot save the whole ghetto all these ghettos in the country but you can save one person's life at a time but you know I feel like that's also a very huge turning point for most people yeah. service is where you find yourself right. a lot of people don't realize right. that no, service opens doors you thank find you very yourself much. and then you begin to realize how you can matter. Thank you very much. Now, that's a, that's a whole different level of frequency. Because now, I see people, because right now, with the music, I've been doing, you know, the music is sort of growing onto the people. Like, cause mm-hmm. I'm, I'm getting better. I feel like seven thing. years later, now you're, yeah, you're going I'm, viral, now, you're connecting. Yes, mm-hmm. I'm now connecting with, on a musical level, I'm, I think I'm like a child right now. Mm-hmm. I feel I have finally come alive as it relates to the music. I'm creating something fairly unique in the industry. However, my biggest accomplishment is that I'm more than music. Mm-hmm. a lot more than music I'm getting into podcasting I'm getting into a very strong mental health I'm not into acting like anything that allows me to flow mm-hmm. I am there and I'm doing it well you know as a result of investing into it for all these years so um, service is an area that I feel like I'm very passionate about like mm-hmm. this country if you're just a musician you can just be a musician and now with these URA guys who are now taxing the gamba, yes it's like, they're now paying attention it's like all you have at home is garden tea and just bread <laughs> No, times have changed. And I think if we look at some of the most successful musicians in yeah. Uganda, I mean, if you look at like the likes of Sheba and everything, they're like, okay, yes, this is my craft. I am passionate about right. it. But I got to do other things. You I got to do other things. You are not surviving in this country on just music alone. Mm-hmm. It's not happening. So from a very entrepreneurial standpoint, it's like, do what you do. And maybe perhaps from the acts of service, that might help propel your music mm-hmm. as well. But mm-hmm. if you're relying on music alone, just find something. I really used to hate these compositions where people would say, what do you do? And I respond, uh, I make music. Ah, but boss, eh, man, in this country. <laughs> I really hated those compositions. And I don't want, I wouldn't want to say that to any artist as well. Because yeah. when you're creative, you're, you're passionate about your art. Exactly. However, I'd probably say, And you that's someone just so- throwing a wet blanket on right, you. Mm-hmm. Right, right. So I'd probably say to someone who's doing, who's a creative is that, find something that can fuel your art. Mm-hmm. Look at it that way. Like, find something that fuels your art. Don't just find Put your have your art and then also find another job. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? So if you need to sacrifice a time to fund your art, do that as well. Because me, I did it the other way around. I really, really invested in the art and in, in trying to figure out why we function the way we do, like from a very psychological standpoint and whatnot, mm-hmm. which made me suffer from as it relates to how to get by my well-being, okay. uh, finances-wise and what. Like I really struggled for years, you know. I've just come around to um, most recently here, just like a, a year, a couple of months back, because now I'm all over the place. 
Mm-hmm. Because now that my value now one day is a guy that people want to by the grace of God obviously I'm I'm, I'm indebted to the people and the funds and what not. Mm-hmm. However it's like people are now saying to understand the value. I feel like you've tapped into a frequency right now. Thank you. And you know what you were saying about yeah like, this thing is about frequency she kept telling me she's like so wonder aren't you fearful of burning out i'm like that's not the question it's like everyone keeps telling me that but it's like are you fearful of burning out someone asked really? me because now people ask you that because obviously it's the norm mm. but however i told her like i think as a result of me being like i said to her listen the things i'm seeing now happening now as a result of things i've dreamt of like the past 10 11 years <laughs> the investment i put it's into now it now coming to pass it's now coming to pass yeah. and I'm not even trying I'm just flowing into the spaces. Yes. So if yes. I was trying that would be different. I would definitely burn out. If I was only doing music for example. Music you tend to burn out because you need to be re-inspired again, you need mm-hmm. to drop. But now there's mental health. I'm currently going through the space of mental health. I'm in the process of recovering from mental health. Me speaking about mental health is therapeutic to me fundamentally. Yes. Then to the masses as well. So I need this to keep existing. <laughs> there's skits I do. There is you know what I'm saying there's all these things I'm acting as well. It's like a never ending stream exactly i think it's almost like you know what you said you had to take the time to sit back yes. pay attention right. when we grow up we lose that childlike curiosity right 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 and that is i mean if you look at something as simple as like children's books mm-hmm. you'll have something that's fun but it always packs layers of right. of like stories and messages and and morals in there right, and right. that's because the author had to take the time to understand children right Oh yes my good people the conversation is heating up with Wonder JR on the Groove Cafe we shall continue tomorrow between 4 and 5 p.m and that's only on RX Radio Groove Cafe